from Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Serena Sterling. Serena holds a master's in international journalism, a doctorate in clinical psychology, and is a certified life coach. Due to her own experience of overcoming chronic fatigue syndrome and finding ways to alleviate her own chronic pain from years of living with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, Dr. Sterling learned advanced stress reduction techniques to assist others in overcoming their own health challenges. She uses her education, training, and experience in clinical psychology to help her clients understand why they're thinking, feeling, and behaving in certain ways, and combines that with coaching to keep people accountable to their goals. She helps her clients identify, process, and release the repressed emotions they've been holding on to, which allows them to alleviate their physical and emotional pain. So, Being loved is so foundational that we'll go to extremes to feel and experience it. My next guest actually made herself sick looking for love. The good thing is she learned what she'd been doing, healed from all of it, and is helping others do the same. I'm speaking with Serena Sterling. Here we go. Okay, everybody. So today I'm speaking with Serena Sterling, and we're going to be talking about, you know, just when you're not heard and how that's a betrayal and it could start early in life, it can continue in different relationships, and what it leads to physically, mentally, and emotionally. So welcome, Serena. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So let's get started with this. And we spoke briefly before I hit record and how you know, these experiences of not being heard started early. Can you share that? And we'll talk about what it led to. Sure. So when I was young, um, before the age of 10, I felt that no matter what I did, it wasn't good enough. And my older brother was what I learned is the golden child and he always got more attention. And so I felt that in order, the only way to get attention, my family was when I was sick. And so I decided to complain about physical pain that never existed in order to get my parents to finally see me. And I basically did manifesting, but for something bad. And I ended up with rheumatoid arthritis at the age of nine. Um, And it was all because I just felt so unheard and so unseen. And I just wanted what I called attention back then, but it was really, I just wanted love that I didn't feel I was getting. Yeah. So, and you just wanted love and it was, yeah, that makes so much sense. What kind of, what did you say was happening? Did you, you know, to get your, to get your parents to believe that you were sick? I started to complain in my after school programs, um, gymnastics, tennis, whatever my parents were pushing me into oh, ballroom dancing was the worst. <laughs> so I would just complain. As a little kid? I, so you were, you were, okay. Cause that just seems like a wonderful thing as an adult to do. You know, I know so many couples who, before they get married, they, they, you know, take the classes, but as a little kid ballroom dancing, that's interesting. Okay. So you didn't want to do that. And you would say you weren't feeling well or, or what? I would say that my feet hurt or that, um, that, yeah, I just wasn't, uh, but I was having pain of some sort and I needed to sit it out or, um, I would, oh, I remember, you know, after the getting off the bus and walking home and I would, um, I would pretend like I had a limp and I couldn't walk. And so uh, there is like the neighbor and the neighbor's nanny or whoever it was would pick him up. And I was hoping that she would say something to my mom. 
So I would do those things. Right. And then at what point did you like, what went through your mind where you're like, oh, wow, this is working. They're, they're stopping what they're doing. They're, they're asking questions when I have these, I tell them about these symptoms. Like what happened? I, I, so I started that in September of my third grade year. And then by, um, my mom started taking me to doctors and I liked that attention. And if I told them I felt unwell, then my brother couldn't roughhouse with me. And, um, and so then by, by November, mid-November, I was on a field trip with my class. We went to a chocolate factory and actually my feet really did hurt. And it was kind of surprising to me um, because this had always been a charade in my mind, but then I actually developed pain and then I went to the hospital and then about a month later, I was diagnosed with arthritis. So when you, when you were diagnosed with arthritis, what, what did you think? Did you think, oh my goodness, this, I kind of said I was having issues all this time and now I do like what went through your head? I was thinking it was going to be temporary. I was like, yay, I got what I wanted. I totally have this amazing power and I'll just do this. I'll milk this for about six months and then Mm -hmm. I'll go back to normal. Right. Because it was mind trick. I basically like willed it into existence. So then I figured, well, I'll just will it out of existence when I get tired of this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and the mind is very, very powerful. So then, so here you are now, you have arthritis. How did it affect, like, so how long did it, did it last? And at what point did you say, oh, wow, you know what, this, it's not as easy as I thought. I can't just will this away. Like what, what went on? Well, the first few months I remember I was, I was given baby aspirin because I didn't want to swallow the bigger aspirin. And I, mm-hmm. um, after that, it wasn't working to get the pain to go away. So I was given more, like more, um, medication and I would take the medication and I would hide it or I would like throw it out because I wanted to keep the pain. I was like that desperate to be loved that I, um, that I, but after, you know, after being basically, I had been picked first because I was a really good athlete in gym classes, but then I was being picked last and then I couldn't do the sports I wanted to do. And I, after about, you know, going into the summer, I was like, okay, this is enough. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't will it away. I didn't know there were so many more factors that were actually involved in that, that I, I learned much later in life. Um, so I couldn't actually will it away. I think that maybe, maybe if I had um, seen a psychologist or a counselor of some sort, someone mm-hmm. could have helped me understand the pieces that were involved, yeah. but it didn't go away the way. Right. I to. So how do you know when, um, emotional pain is rooted in physical pain? You know, when, say you go on vacation and the pain goes away, or you are with someone that is really challenging, say a family member or a colleague or someone, and you start to have more pain, that would suggest that it's stress-related. It's due Mm. to some sort of toxic relationship or it's due to like, if the pain goes away when you're sleeping or when you're on vacation, then that suggests that that's not a structural problem that's going to be alleviated by medication or surgery. That's rooted in something um, emotional or mental. Right, and how can you start to identify that? So here's somebody who they, they have tremendous physical pain and they may not even notice like, oh wow, you know, here I was just having a, a great moment with a friend and I didn't have that backache. I didn't have something. How, how can somebody start to become aware of that? You may have had a great 
conversation with your friend, but there may have been something that didn't, like there may have been one or two comments or something that you might've thought like, oh, that wasn't very nice of her or him. And then, but you brush it aside, like no big deal. But that one thing, it could have affected you. And that's what we do. We repress our emotions. That's how that it ends up in the body. And so it's kind of like, oh, well, I'll just brush that aside. That won't really bother me, but it does. Because if you don't have an outlet, if you don't acknowledge that that was an annoyance to you, then it will get filtered into the body. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and we've talked about, about this a lot of times on the show, and I always like other people's uh, just takes on it because it's so, it's so incredible how the body responds to the mind and, and the emotions. So tell, I'd love to hear your take on how is it that an emotion kind of gets trapped in the body and, and why does it get trapped in the body? Well, I cannot speak to the like <clears throat> the physiological explanation, but I don't always know that that's always helpful. I mean, there's some doctors that would say it's just oxygen deprivation to the muscles. <clears throat> However, I like to think of it as kind of like, okay, so say you have a huge- You know, it's argument. funny, I, it's, even before you go on, I remember John Sarno, that was the first time I had heard about that with because I had tremendous back pain. And I think he had a book- something like end back pain. I forgot what it was. That's John Sarno. And that was the first time I heard about the oxygen deprivation to the muscles. And I was like, oh, that's what this is. <laughs> and I went down a, a whole track to, to study that. Anyway, go ahead, go on. Yeah, no, Dr. Sarno, I mean, he was a huge um, role model and he was just, he helped so many people with his books and talking about that very factor. And he talked about how repression of emotions in particular rage will get stuck in the body. And so how I see it is that we can go through something stressful mm-hmm. and if we don't acknowledge it, if we're just kind of like, oh, kind of like what I mentioned before, it's not that big a deal, mm-hmm. your body will take that brunt because it's actually trying to protect you. But it does feel like a betrayal. It feels like, why is my body doing this? I didn't do, I didn't fall, I didn't have an injury, but all of a sudden my back hurts but your back is hurting because that's a distraction from the difficulty you have in your relationship or with your family. And so if your emotion has nowhere to go, it doesn't, for a lot of people, it doesn't just disappear into thin air. It gets filtered into the body as some sort of symptom. And even if it's not a pain, like a physical pain, it could be fatigue, it can be a rash, it could be even like anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. So how do you unearth that? And how do you say, okay, well, you know what? I'm really tired and I'm not usually walking around tired because it's, it, it seems like the, the first uh, thing we do is say, you know what, this has got to be, let's say a medical thing. And maybe there's a, a virus or a, a, you know, some sort of, uh, I don't know, something like that going on. How do you then, how do you take a look and say, okay, maybe this back pain, for example, like what we, we said, has an emotional root to it. Like what's, what was the process that you did? Well, even for myself, sometimes I'm thinking like, well, what did I do recently that I hurt my back? And then I'm thinking, no, this is, this is what I specialize in. What did I actually, what are the people I was around? And so mm-hmm. I break it down and it's kind of like, um, like a food allergy. Like a lot of people don't connect like, wow, I have a distended belly, um, I wonder what that's about. And you just ate a bunch of, like for me, I can't eat blackberries because Mm -hmm. that's what I get. Um, So it's connecting the dots of kind of like, okay, so, and and it doesn't, it's not always immediate. Sometimes it could like the pain 
could have come on slowly or could have come on um, all at once. And mm -hmm. the thing that it is, is actually so minor that you don't even think of it, but that mm -hmm. minor thing actually is a lot bigger than you thought. So like, for example, I had a client who had this excruciating back pain and he just thought that like, well, he had a biking accident like 12 years ago and he thought that like every now and then it would just flare up. Mm -hmm. um, and as we pieced it apart, it turned out that his, um, his coworker wanted to set him up with her mother. And he was like, no, 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 that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then he just brushed it aside. But he realized that he keeps himself so busy mm -hmm. that he doesn't have time for relationship, but that's actually what he really wants. And so her trying to set him up with her mom made him feel really uncomfortable. He, he wanted it to like go away. And, but it was actually really on his mind all the time. Mm -hmm. And it created back pain so much that he was losing sleep. Yeah. And it's so interesting because you mentioned like a food allergy and what happens is to detect a food allergy. So often we go on a, on a food elimination diet where we take that out and then see how we respond. And then we actually bring it back, you know, later on to see, oh yes, in fact, that was it. And it's almost like we need a, a, uh, like a people <laughs> elimination <laughs> diet just to see, okay, if I remove that person, how's my body reacting and responding? Or even when I remove that emotion or that uh, I, I deal with it enough that I can kind of make sense and meaning out of it and make peace with it and remove it and see if that's what makes the difference. What are some other physical symptoms that you found to be tied to, um, you know, an emotion? Oh, like everything. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how to answer that. It's kind of like, um, I mean, sadness um, can be really rooted to like Chinese medicine has a lot in this and some of the techniques I use have their, they have elements of Chinese medicine. So for example, if you're, um, if you had a loss of some sort, if someone in your family or someone close to you has passed away, mm -hmm. then you might get something wrong with your lungs. You might get a cough, you might get, um, yeah, you, you, it's sadness and grief and all that gets caught up in your, um, in your lungs. And if you're, you know, if you're, your liver is connected to anger. There are things like that. So those are organ systems. But I find that, um, all right, you know, there's like this, this one young guy that I worked with and he told me that he, at one point in his life, lost the ability to swallow starchy food. It would just get like caught in his throat. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that that happened at the same time that this girl that he was like totally head over heels in love with had told him like, you know what, we're not dating. So like, we don't have to talk every day. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden he couldn't, he couldn't swallow food. And I pieced it together that he had no one in his life. He was in college and all these kids weren't really his true friends. And so he basically swallowed his emotions and then was unable to actually deal with what was actually happening. So how did, how did that heal? How did he fix that? Um, well, we worked on really looking at what, why was that so hurtful for him? Why mm -hmm. here was this girl that he pined over and then all of a sudden she just basically rejected him and it actually mm -hmm. made him stuck in other areas. He graduated, but in five years, and then he like ended up living at home and just couldn't, he was paralyzed to move on because everything he wanted to take a risk and try out mm -hmm. was then seen as this possible rejection that he had felt with the girl. Mm -hmm. that he was in love with. So uh, we really looked at how that affected him and 
what it would be like if he were to date her, like what he would get from that, but he wasn't. So we just really looked at um, how that how that one instance affected mm-hmm. him and how he could then support himself going forward if that were to happen again, because it's inevitable to be rejected, really. Right, sure. So are some people more susceptible to, let's say, physical symptoms because of emotions than others? I think so. I think that um, there's the whole nature versus nurture argument, but I would say that depending on how you were raised, how you were brought up, if you were in a family where your emotions weren't encouraged, then you're more likely to shut down Mm -hmm. and to not speak your truth and to not say how you feel. And so you just keep it all inside. And so for those people, I think those people are a lot more susceptible to then having some sort of chronic condition or developing this, these stress illness or mind body symptoms. Yeah. You know, I kind of look at it like taking out the garbage, you know, if, if the garbage is just building up inside and you're not taking it out, that can get pretty stinky. You know, in the, the most simplified form I could think of. So what are some ways to release it? So first, it's really helpful to acknowledge that it could be stress-related. It could mm-hmm. be due to um, an emotion. It could be due to interacting with certain people that are just toxic and are difficult to deal with. And mm-hmm. so once you identify like, oh, wow, like when I'm around my mom or when I'm around my my colleague at work, like I really feel, um, I feel tired or, I mean, first is to identify what is the symptom also. Okay. So I feel blank. I feel like my back hurts. Okay. So when you feel that then take stock of what you're doing or who is around you. Mm -hmm. Um, and then notice how you feel when you're away from that person. Mm -hmm. And then you can also consider like, life events or things that were really stressful and then when did that pain develop so the pain doesn't always can't always like a lot of times it could happen a year later or could Mm -hmm. happen six months later but to kind of look at connecting the dots yourself of kind of like what happened how do i feel around different people um, and then that will lead you to understanding more of like what is affecting you, what's making you feel better. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've acknowledged it, you've identified it, and how do you release it? Is there something that right. you found, like some people use tapping and some do Reiki and some meditation or journaling or breathing or praying, whatever. Is there something you found works really well for your, you know, for your clients, yes. for you? So I I have these mind-body stress reduction techniques that led me into my career because of my own healing. And I find that that's really helpful because it accesses the unconscious and figuring out like what got stored in the body. But if you don't have that, you can also do expressive writing. I find really helpful. Just don't even at yourself, just write everything that's on your mind. You can do this every day just to like, it's kind of like a mind dump because otherwise Mm -hmm. everything's circulating in your mind um, without getting released and so but then at the end you can burn it like that Mm -hmm. burning of it allows you to just be like okay universe or whoever you want to give this to like you have the power to take this on and it's out of your out of your control so that's a good way um and i would just suggest i I would just suggest to if burning isn't safe for you you can always rip it in a million pieces (laughs) yes just want to make sure okay what was what was the next one (laughs) um so another one you could do is to talk to the person involved. 
Um, so that's harder because it's just, it's harder to confront someone and say, you know what, when this happened, it made me feel like this. And I'm just checking it out with you to see if that was your intention. Because oftentimes um, what we do is what I call emotional reality, where we basically, something happens. And then in our minds, we decide that it happened because of these reasons. Mm -hmm. And we basically had this whole like um, scenario play out in our minds, <laughs> That's but it, we don't know if that's true or not, but then we, we become right about that and then live from the end as if that's so without mm -hmm. giving the person involved any ability to exist outside of our minds. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that happens all the time. Yeah, it could be a complete and total miscommunication, but we've made it to mean something that it's not at all. Yes, I've been guilty of that myself. So, <laughs> and it's true. And if we were to confront the other person about it, ask a question, be like, oh, what are you talking about? I, I meant blah, 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 you know, and it's just in that questioning, sometimes it's really, uh, it's really helpful because then you, you understand the intention, which is, which is a great thing. Is there, is there any sort of um, body mind practice that you recommend? Like a particular practice well, that you find works well? Um, I think the combination of doing some of those things like expressive writing or talking to the person or, mm -hmm. Or um, there's also decording that you can do where it's kind of like if there's someone that's really, you know, basically their cords that get stuck in you and you can mm -hmm. kind of sit quietly and think of like, if you want to bring in guides or spirits or whatever helps you mm -hmm. and then bring that person in your mind and thank them, show gratitude for having them in your life and showing you all these lessons that you learned mm -hmm. about yourself, about your, how your mind and body work together and then say, thank you. And our lesson is complete and watch them turn around. And then all these cords and entrails basically get released from you to them. And it's really powerful. You may have to do it a few times, depending on how long you've known this person. And I love that idea. And I, I've had a few people mention uh, cutting cords and some were saying do it with a knife and a sharp, you know, a sharp something. And then some people say, just use your hands, <laughs> you know, just as a little uh, more, you know, being more cautious or just visualizing those cords being, um, you know, being cut, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. So how did you heal? What, what was your process? Well, it's been a long process, but I, I, I had a, a lot of fatigue when I was in New York City, and a lot of it came from repressing my emotions when I was two blocks from the World Trade Center in 9-11. Mm -hmm. um, I just got really, really tired because it was just, I was overwhelmed, and I was in shock, and I didn't know how to process all those emotions. And so as a result of getting really tired, and my doctor, my medical doctor is saying there is no cure to live with a debilitating fatigue, I, I sought out, I didn't accept that. So I sought out more holistic means. And I found this one chiropractor who does something called neuroemotional technique. And I found it so fascinating because even in the first session, I was able to walk home <clears throat> three miles when in fact, I hadn't been able to walk three blocks without wanting to take a two hour nap that I decided to pursue a degree in psychology so that I could learn these techniques. And so I do these techniques with clients, but I also do it on myself whenever I have something troubling, whether it's physical or emotional pain. Um, I do writing, I do, um, I do certain things like that. And I just feel like introspection, everything's a journey. We're learning so much all yeah. the time. It's never ending. And to keep learning, to keep questioning and finding out like, okay, why am I getting triggered? Why am I, you know, and if you have trusted friends or colleagues that you feel 
you're not going to be judged by, by saying Mm -hmm. like, you know what, I'm having a really crappy day and I just want someone to listen. I don't want you to problem solve. Like things like that are just really helpful to have you feel better. And that's Mm -hmm. what helped me. Yeah. And for those who aren't familiar with uh, neuroemotional technique, can you describe it? Tell us what's involved. Sure. So it uses, um, it uses a combination of different modalities. So there's muscle testing, which accesses your physiology mm-hmm. of emotions. It basically, um, instead of asking you, what does that make you feel? You ask your body and your body stores all the emotions that you're not even aware of. So, um, so for example, say I have a pain in my shoulders, I mm-hmm. can feel my pain and then I can see if it's connected to my emotions, um, using muscle testing. And then is, we can is there a, find is there out. A, you know, yeah. Is there a type of muscle testing you do that seems to work best? I know there's the, let's say, you know, putting your arms out to the side or in front or at your elbow or even the ring test or the sway. Is, is there something that you found is like just a really great indicator? I used to see people in person. Um, and then even a few years ago before this whole pandemic hit, I decided I had a number of clients that were in different parts of the world. So I started doing this remotely. So I do the like the two fingers together and self-testing to tap into their energy. Can you can you share that can you share that with us? Because there are so many. I love the idea of muscle testing because it's giving you such insight in into what you know may be challenging to see, but the body knows. And when you're it's just such an amazing amazing way to access the subconscious. So can you show us? Because this is uh, we can explain it for those who are listening, but I, but for those who are seeing it, I, I'd love for them to, to see your example. So it's both fingers. You put one, um, I put my right, uh, my right thumb in between the index finger and the thumb of the left hand. And then um, I'm pu- trying to pull it apart. Mm-hmm. So you can think about something that you really love to do, or you can even say your name. So mm-hmm. like my name is Serena and I try to pull it apart and it's strong. So that's mm-hmm. a yes. Um, and then if I say like, my name is Gregory and I try to pull it apart, it's weak, which means that's not my name. And so you can do that with um, and you can just start testing this out. You can, you can test it out you, uh, with food, even, you know, put a pack of cigarettes against your chest and then test that should mm-hmm. weaken your body. Um, and so you can do it with emotions. Um, you can think about something that really upset you and then test. Right. And, and though, and I, I love the idea of it. I'm actually learning it myself, but I, I find that I like it, to, I, I can manipulate it by how strong I hold it and it's almost like if I want to get a certain answer, I find that maybe I'm holding it stronger, my fingers together or something. Is there a way, like a certain amount of pressure? Um, I don't have very strong hands, but I'm just pulling as much as I, I, I can pull as hard as I can. And it, that's the beauty of the muscle testing is that like if, so when I was doing it with, with someone in, <clears throat> in person, even if I've got a bodybuilder, like a football player, like he's mm-hmm. going to be weak if I am testing something that he's not okay with. So the same, you can pull it apart as hard as you can. And if you're really strong, if you're really okay with something, then it's it's going to be strong. It's not going to come apart. But if you mm-hmm. think about something that really bothers you, it can be, it will be weak. Yeah. So, and you just play around with this. You'll get used to it over time. And you also, in my opinion, you have to be, okay with the answer that comes up so you can't be you can't try to bias it then you're just going to not get a good result right okay so and that's really that's the the key right there don't look 
for a certain answer, the uh, you know where you're you're expecting someone, where you're trying to lead it a certain way, you're just using the same amount of pressure without any attachment to the outcome, just to figure out what the outcome is. I, I love the idea of muscle testing. I think it's a great way to just see where you're showing up and, and how you're feeling about things that you may not have access to. So it sounds like you did a lot of things to feel better, and and it's some combination of that. You know, I always recommend everybody to find their own recipe of what works for them. And, and just if you're stuck in pain, uh, it, it likely there's some emotional cause. And it's really important to, uh, to find out the emotional root to it. What would you, is it, what, what do you want to make sure the audience knows before we wrap up? Well, I like what you just said. There are thousands of techniques out there and the ones that worked for me may not work for everyone, but they work for a lot of people. And so don't take no for an answer. Keep searching for what's going to work for you. And, um, and yeah, just, you know, it's all a journey, but your body does speak to you and, and there, there is, there's hope out there. You, You don't have to just sit with whatever pain you're feeling, whether that's physical or emotional. You know, and I love that you said that because so often when we're so uncomfortable physically, mentally, emotionally, we assume that everybody knows better than us. So let me go to the doctor or the therapist or the counselor because they must know. And we know best. And I, I, I love that, that don't take no for an answer because you may go to your doctor, but tests you're taking tests and they're showing nothing, but you're feeling horrible and you know there's something going on there. Um, so I love the idea of, of finding out, you know, what is it? Because even though that doctor said it's nothing, if you believe it is, then it then it is. And and there's there's no reason the body's not supposed to stay sick or um, or in pain. And there's just something really profound about that. Where do we go to learn learn more about you? I have a website, drserenasterling.com, and I've just written a book called Pain, A Love Story, which is available on Amazon. It's also available on my website, so those are two places. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, and I know you helped so many people with what you shared today. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Isn't it amazing what the mind and emotions can do to the body? The good news is, as powerful as our minds are in creating something that's not working for us, it's just as powerful in creating something that can. Stay in touch with Serena by going to drserenasterling.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. If you're feeling physical or emotional pain, try these steps. One, identify the symptom. Are you really tired? Do you have muscle pain in a certain area of the body? Two, acknowledge if it's stress-related. Is it tied to a certain event, toxic person? Three, use expressive writing. Confront the person. Try the decording technique. Use muscle testing to get to the bottom of it. Four, don't take no for an answer. Find your own recipe that works and keep trying new things until you can sense a change in how you feel. Like the show? Please subscribe, rate, and review. And of course, if you know of someone struggling to heal from a betrayal, be sure to tell them about the show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough. Breakthrough.